Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. We're on episode 124. Okay. Uh, we're catching up to what have you, because they do once a month. We do four times a month. So. Those, those jokers, <laughs> those jokers over at, at what have you, at episode y. one, two, four. Yeah. And, uh, what we have, you know, we had, I don't know if you saw much fallout from the Lord of the Rings episode. Uh, no, other than distress among some of our employees, but yeah, well, apparently two of them <laughs> were distraught <laughs> and we will age them like fine cheese. Yeah. I actually, and then they'll grow up. I view it more as a pickling. Pickling, right? So, Soaking them in vinegar. Yeah, they're like until they're good on salad. Yeah, they're like they're like baby carrots when they arrive and they need to survive in the pickling influence of carrot press. We gotta have a, a pickled carrot. <laughs> no, I think I prefer a pickled onion personally. Yeah. Okay, but, onions, baby onions. Yeah, that works. Uh, but uh, so no, I didn't see. But I also don't look. Well, right. My own so, cousin. My own cousin uh, saw our take and said, "Does it hurt to be so physically?" Does it hurt physically to be so wrong? Yeah. And so that was a good one. That was That's, probably my best insult. You know what I think what you know what I think people don't want me to do is to go rewatch those. Yeah. Because my take would be so so much more saucy. You have the the friendly dust of what, twenty years sitting in Yeah, I've got like I can I can think about how there were some good things. Right. I can be kind of nice. They just they messed up on the architecture, you know. Uh, I, did anybody disagree with your statement that Tolkien would vomit? No. Because I don't, I think everybody knows that. That's just <laughs> <laughs> like, we're on Tolkien's side on this one. They really tried to push the wedge of, yeah, but you know, it's the best movie we're likely to get from the Lord <sighs> of the Rings. Gosh. Which I think is a real, we're at a low level. That's just, that's like, well, let me just state this as strongly as I can. <laughs> A lot of conservative Christian moviegoers are like horribly abused women. Oh no! <laughs> oh, this metaphor is as strong the, as you can. The the meaning the pathology of like well, you're saying it's Stockholm syndrome level of like it's weird. It's the best we're likely to get. Yeah, you know, you know, Hank. He he might be really really terrible. He's not always bad. He's not always bad to me. I don't deserve better. I'm the pathology of like, it's as good as we can accept is such an, uh, a horrible abuse victim mentality that just keeps you trapped in a very bad place. And so uh, it's understandable for somebody who's dealt with a bunch of abuse that they deal with this kind of thing. You know, it's like, it's under, it's understandable for that. But then, but then you take people who are educated, intelligent Christians and, the single thing that is the most important for, I think, an intelligent movie consumer and the most important for your kids, all you Christian parents out there, is they do not receive any work of storytelling, fiction, prose, my books, I don't care who, C.S. Lewis's, uh, Tolkien's, or any movies, as if they are carved in stone and cannot be changed or could not be improved, or there's no point in having that conversation. Yeah, And there's always a point in having that conversation. There's always a point in having your mind active and actually sifting through the good and the bad and throwing away the bad. And that needs to just be ingrained in you 
as an image bearer of God, that this is how you function, that you sift through terrible things, good things, and you burn away the terrible instead of saying, let's not talk about that. Let's not focus on that. It's as good as we could expect. And we don't deserve better than that. And this is as good as Hollywood will give us. So we must eat it and say, please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> and well, and, that, and it is, it's a, it's that like victim mentality. It's a, it's a terrible victim mentality to have that. It is a little bit Stockholm. It's a little bit that, that poor woman down at the trailer park who thinks she doesn't deserve better because this is how her horrible dad treated her. And this is how her first boyfriend treated her. And this is how, you know, her second husband now treats her. She thinks she doesn't deserve any better than this. And that doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, that that's a, just doesn't matter. Or he's not as bad as the last one, or he's better than that other terrible thing. It's like scales of terrible are just not where we want to live. We just don't want to be there. So uh, as far as the Lord of the Rings movies go, part of the reason why they are terrible is because the blueprints were so fantastic. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Lord of the Rings movies are worse than the Jack Reacher show. I'm not going to pretend like they're worse than any number of things that are. Do that you are, hear that? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not pretending that they're worse than any number of things that are made. Uh, terminal list. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute cat turd compared to <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Now the point is what are the Lord of the Rings compared to what they could have been and what they should have been. So we we have to measure off of the blueprint, the source material, uh, but there's no question that they're superior in many ways to almost everything that comes out of Hollywood. And I think I said this: if you divorced them from the source material yeah. and just looked at them by themselves, they would have a lot to go, you know, a lot going for them. Well, I think the problem is we see the blueprints, yeah. and we see how they fell short of the blueprints, which were some of the best things ever done. Um, well, people anyway. only heard it in the context of you saying that Tolkien would vomit. Now they'll hear you it said the that, by the way, you started that. I, <laughs> yeah. I agree, but that was That's you, right. Brian, you, you poked that particular. <laughs> That's right. And it, that was about if Disney makes Tolkien vomit, then PJ for sure makes Tolkien vomit. Yeah. That's straight out of his letters. Right. Yep. But we changed the metaphor. Yes. You came out locked and loaded. Maybe they'll, instead of vomit, the whole we're abused. Stop being abuse victims. When it comes to all I mean, just storytelling hollywood i've seen this with yeah. fans of the hunger game novels i've seen it with fans of the hunger games movies i've seen it with fans of breaking bad i've seen it with fans of so many things out of secular unbelieving hollywood where it's but it's the best we can expect i think in this relationship that yeah they hate me they hate what i stand for they hate what i love they hate everything about me however yeah. this is the best i can expect from them and i have to be in this relationship this relationship is required I think I think that's actually touching on it because I think people are afraid that if they start thinking that way, or at least some people I've talked to are afraid that if they start thinking that way, they will not be able to enjoy anything ever again. Right. <laughs> no, I, and the thing is that's that's false. You will be able to enjoy things, but you'll enjoy it differently and on a different level, but you will enjoy significantly less. And that's the hard, bitter pill that I'm selling. So, yeah, this hey, is... turn your brain on and be a connoisseur. Like think critically about what you read and what you watch. Now, at the same time, so I hope everybody heard me, minus the blueprints, minus like assessment of potential, minus all those things, the Lord of the Rings movies are significantly up there, up the food chain. Yeah. So, you know, just compare them straight across. 
to, to other franchises and other movies. Are they better than Marvel? Absolutely, they're better than Marvel. You know, like this is... <laughs> I, I think know. this is going to be balm and Gilead to many folks. So, but, I don't know, uh, but that doesn't make it better. Like it's the the problem is like yeah, but they they had such a um, and they're not better than all Marvel, but they're better than Marvel now, right? Yeah. But the fact is, they had such a massive head start, a massive head start, which was squandered, right. Right. and a head start in a lot of casting and the commitment of the budget and the the production design and so many things. They had a head start. Uh, then they, you know, it's like LeBron's first super team losing to the Mavericks. Yeah, it's very much like that. Actually, <laughs> and it should so, not have happened. It should not have happened, and yeah. yet we all wanted Dirk to win. Yep, well, it, it should not have happened. I and should I, say and junior I will, high Brian didn't, but that was yeah. my my taste problem. <laughs> yeah. But the as as far as it goes, it's it is not in any way to say that you cannot watch and enjoy scenes. It's not to say it's off limits. Like it's not yeah. that way. This isn't a light switch. It's a eat this meal. And I happen to have reviewed your favorite entree at your favorite chain restaurant. And I said, there's a lot of preservatives in the potatoes and the steak is tough. Like, okay. You know, so <laughs> like it's, <laughs> but that's, that's one of the big things is I'm not trying to get people to stop watching something. I'm trying to get people to watch differently, see differently. Yeah. Um, I know a ton of people who have the kind of loyalty that you had to Lord of the Rings movies, a deep affection, and now for them, a nostalgia, because it was so fun when they watched it when they were 12 or 13. And that's not evil. That's not a bad thing. But turn on right. your brain and grow, like, and grow and be able to see it now and see the ways, the many ways in which it could have been improved, like the many ways in which it could have been better. Um, anyway, but I should have, I should have maybe read and, and searched around for some people who are probably calling me names about that. So I could, I could address things more specifically. <laughs> no, but, I think you got it. That that's, that's but, the great, the great caveat. And I think a good, that's a good summary for what this podcast is. Turn your brain on when it comes turn, to entertainment, <laughs> turn your brain on and, and also stop getting your feelings hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is just. It's that do not associate your own identities and your own selves with particular meals that you did or did not enjoy. Yeah. You know, you don't like meatloaf. You're Hitler. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, like that's just don't. Yeah. Don't be like that. I mean, I think we're comfortable doing that in many other areas. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of sports teams and movies for some reason. Right. Like people really feel like you're attacking my mother. You're attacking me personally if you didn't like that or say that it was inferior or inadequate or whatever you might say. Uh, don't do that. Turn your brains on and don't be reflexive and just 100% rejecting or 100%, you know, 100% on board with right. different product. Like be able to like yeah, I mean, I'm swish thinking, the wine in your mouth, I, yeah. taste, taste it all. Think about the news, right? When we all stopped listening to the news and believing it. I'm just thinking of how we now flip on the news and all of a sudden we're like, well, most of that's junk. Yeah, it's like, you know? well, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the NPR story, you know the agenda that is- like, yeah, is that just, true? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this one's the global warming piece for today. <laughs> oh, this one's the migrant piece for today. Did ChatGBT write this one correctly? We're not <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, this one's the pro-abortion one. You know, those are the three yeah. and you get, you could, we could program. Yeah, you can, just, you can find it quickly. Anyway, yeah. not to get all off on the Lord of the Rings side, uh, but process it 
that way. That should be your paradigm and your approach. And we can disagree and it's not a big deal. You know, and then one of us is going to be right or both of us are going to be wrong. And uh, like very rarely, both of us can be right. That's much less frequent. But, you know, when people are are in an argument uh, about a movie, rarely both are right. Sometimes, but both can be wrong. (laughs) One can be right. But the discussion is actually really fun. Like, yeah, viewing a film and having an intelligent discussion with people who viewed it differently than you did is very enjoyable. Yeah. Like it should be if everybody can keep themselves from getting in their feels and, and can and, keep and, their brains on. And when you get a kid, we, we watched the Mario movie yeah. with the kids. And when you have your kids offering feedback on that level, that's so right. fun. It's I very mean, fun. Watching a, a, a little person talk about why Jack Black is pretty funny in that movie, you know, singing his peaches peaches yeah. song um you know you know that watching them turn their brain on and, and interact does not take away from the enjoyment no of, of a movie it makes it more fun and yeah. it also when you get your kids uh on the couch and you get together and you have a meal together and you actually eat it meaning you you everybody's sitting there and you tear it apart and you actually eat this thing together you consume it together you process it together it's really fun yeah it's actually very very fun to do that I think I read a, I having wife, a vacuum cleaner contest where everybody just can and and yeah. doesn't process they just inhale it is not fun right and I've noticed too sometimes when we push the movie too late and send kids to bed right after the movie like it's like the yeah. end and straight to bed it's actually far less profitable than yep. than if you with have time little... to mull and interact yeah I have frequently let kids stay up past their bedtimes in order to have a little bit of the you know the processing in the kitchen time yeah and having kids pointing out things they noticed and did like i think this meant that and i might push against it or i might say like whoa i didn't see that or good catch or mm. or whatever but having all that conversation after the fact having the 20 minutes afterward is really really valuable it's part of that uh part of the movie night yeah part movie of the movie night, night. Movie part, night of the, part of that communal the, consumption with the end card so I could, I'm trying to think of a movie that I really, really liked or just as funny or enjoyable oceans 11 say, and I really liked it. If we did a full process watching it or actually here's a good one. We just watched pirates of the Caribbean Yeah, because my sons, a couple of people in my household had the theme song stuck in their head and like they (laughs) kept coming back and I was like, we should just watch that. And Johnny Depp's hilarious. And so we watch it and there's so much laughter from the kids at different terrible decisions and Mm. like or just like slide a hand or or things that are absolutely fake and over the top you know johnny depp comes to a cable that he's going to slide down his hands are hand handcuffed together and somehow he's able to just loop the chain over you know (laughs) over the top of it and slide down and it's there's all this kind of stuff that's happening my kids are all laughing and catching and pointing it out and all still being cracked up by Johnny Depp's famous performance and loving the music. And afterwards, their comment is, if it wasn't for Depp being a cartoon character and for a fantastic score, this whole thing falls apart. It all just goes away. It's total garbage. No. And it's his performance and the music. And just his performance and bad score, uh uh-uh. Just the (laughs) score and no Depp doesn't work. Those two ingredients salvaged it and made it a commercial behemoth. You know, it became this... Does it get some first movers rights though too? I'm trying to think of like popular pirate movies. I feel like it has a little bit of the- I mean, it just dominated and then it it overplayed and then it it did the classic uh, 
Yeah, overgrazing. Because there's like four of them now. The right? classic, I don't even know. The classic yeah. overgrazing that happens when somebody finds a good pasture. They're like, hey, let's kill this one. <laughs> and then they just <laughs> overdo it. Bring in all the cattle. Yeah. And we're going to do This is a great pasture. We're going to just right. destroy it. And so then nobody could make a funny pirate movie now with a big score. Yeah. It's like, it's it's just. It's tapped out. Yeah. You, you guys just killed that cow. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking thinking through that one as you're watching whatever their names are i can't remember the two the two leads kira and orlando yeah dear orlando elfin elfin orlando who's trying to be a a blacksmith doesn't look anything like (laughs) people who work the forge swinging the hammer all day such a fancy boy (laughs) they don't look like orlando bloom (laughs) (laughs) but even them they're only funny in relationship to to johnny depp yeah to depp yeah so he just, just filters the whole thing and did it did a great job now think about how schlocky that movie is I mean that's as that is as gas station nachos as you can get. However, that performance and that score combined elevate it to like it's worth it. It's funny. Yeah. It's a it was a playful, joyful, funny thing to do. And then all my kids afterwards are like, huh, I'd like to put this ridiculous mythology and yeah. All the, the goofiness. You didn't like the pirate curse? I thought <laughs> I had. The, the Cortez curse. The curse of Cortez. I, I like the, the when the moon and the comes rules, out. And the rules the... of which are super weird and <laughs> yeah. not coherent <laughs> if at If you all. step into the moonlight, you'll turn we, into a we skeleton. we have to, because we murdered, but didn't, because he's still alive, tied to cinder blocks at the bottom of the ocean for some reason. But because we, we murdered this one dude. Um, we must murder. We must now murder his descendant. In order to end this, I don't. What's what's going on? Um, it's all a hot mess. It's, yeah, see, it's, that's one of those that you just grant because you saw it like, too whatever. young. And yeah, I didn't. Like, whatever. It's a hot. It's a hot mess. <laughs> and yet, everybody wanted to watch it, and we're like, we're in because yeah, the analysis of Depp's performance, they all love it. A lot of the choreography they enjoy, and the score, like the score, is legitimately elevated. It's actually yeah. a you know a pretty elevated piece. It's a lot of fun, and and so that's. Basically, that's my schlock cred. We just watched Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> See, he um, can enjoy things. And if you want to watch it and you want to filter some things to make it a little less terrifying for people in your uh, in your home, you'll have to use Clearplay because if an angel cannot touch a Disney film. Mm. Um, but it is, it is on Clearplay. And it's it's also not, you know, it's not terribly dirty. There's just, yeah, a, there's just some excess, there's some excess uh, grisliness that they lean into at different points. Right. But um, I, my, my guys didn't have trouble with it. I think they yeah, were a little great. scared at the beginning. Right. You know, what, right when that ship cruises yeah, in. And, and then it starts boom, 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 but destroys. Yeah. And, and yeah. then you realize, oh, this is funny. It's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. This is not serious. No need yeah, to Yeah, so anyway, the, the point is you have, to, you have to assess a thing for what it is and what it's striving to be. That's a movie based on a theme park ride. That's its blueprint. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. It's blueprint. So is it better than a theme park ride? Is it is it a theme park ride? It's a theme park ride. That's <laughs> what it actually is trying to be. And in each of the, you know, of the movies that I actually watched, I didn't watch all of them, but they all chase these big theme park set pieces. Yeah. That they actually the big tropical yep. island, you yep. know, him you know, on the, the water beach. wheel chasing yeah. him, like the all the all the stuff that a huge organ on shipboard, yep. you know. <laughs> yep. No, they went they yeah. went theme park. And it is a film based on a theme park ride. That's the blueprint. And they did a great job of taking that and making it into a theme parky movie experience. Uh, versus what we were talking about with Lord of the Rings. But anyway, let's move on to something else. Let's talk about something else, Brian. Well, we we had uh 
we had a number of follow-ups. We covered so many things in our NSA live events. We had a lot of different questions that are following okay. up on that. Um, I think you'll enjoy from Kendra that she also has been slowly reading Chesterton's Orthodoxy and listening to the podcast and got her head pooped on by a bird while <laughs> reading Orthodoxy in the backyard. So I think you've started something, <sighs> a pandemic oh, of I, Kendra, I... I apologize. She said she was annoyed at first, but then had the, that moment of like sass clarity of like, oh, <laughs> this was on purpose. <laughs> this is Chestertonian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, having her follow in the, the squirrel's footsteps or vice versa, I guess. Way, way to go, Kendra. Yeah. I'm glad the squirrel missed me and hit Chesterton. Right. And then uh, we had a follow up from, from Robert, who was following up on the end of Jojo Rabbit, where he was saying... You know, he liked our, our feedback here, but he was saying the David Bowie song obviously is actually really tied in there. Uh, it was yeah. it was written in for Berlin, basically, with the Berlin Wall yeah. and two on either side. I didn't realize that. So yeah. I guess- But it is at the same time- So random. It's significantly later. Right. We're not, I mean, it's not, it's a, it's, you know, it's anachronistic. We right. are, we're importing something from the future back into this moment. So that and I really, is still strange, yeah. And I but, really, but really like it. But yeah, the right. the actual context of the Bowie song is also interesting. I understand why. He's going there with uh, that. That does make sense of Taika Waititi. So I think, I think also about um, Peter Gabriel's cover of Heroes mm. is a pretty fantastic, you know, cello, strings, you know, it's, mm. it's amazing. He performed it. It was arranged and performed at the Berlin Wall. Um, oh, okay. At a Berlin Wall anniversary thing, but it's an example of something that's so like it's a real basic song. We could be heroes, and yet he's just squeezing that lemon like all the way for for the the moment and the emotion, and it's just deeply raw. It's mm -hmm. a deeply, deeply raw performance, and that kind of thing would have been completely wrong. And so, you know, back at the end of JoJo, so to keep with Taika's incongruity. Like to keep with his his technique of incongruity to see the thing for real, right. using the incongruity to highlight the reality. I think the the Bowie song was a fantastic choice. Right. I think it was a very very fantastic choice, and it was you know the fact that it's thematically appropriate in its own context. It's or not appropriate. Not it's what? not it's not appropriate, and and the fact that it's not is another is, is another point. stark yeah. revelation, and so. I'm not 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 to disagree with the context, yeah. you know, because I also I was looking up the song and and looking around at it, and why why he might have chosen it. And I get mm -hmm. I get it. That's how he justified it. Right. It just works. It works in terms of sound. It works in terms of time period. You know, it works. Yeah. To really show us that odd moment that these two have on the steps, and I think it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Um. And then what I thought what I thought we'd drive into today before we get to our lamp, lamp lamp pick. For the end of the day, uh, would would just be some follow up on Esther and Tamar. I think we need to do because if you remember that we mentioned, uh, you mentioned Esther being a an uncomfortable role model for mm. Christian kids, and uh, <laughs> and did it, I throw that out there? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it, you know, it was dark. It was a soul food podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Stephen says. Uh, I think I could sense the audience being a bit uncomfortable with Nate's commentary about Esther seducing the king. Uh, you know, if I'm let's, here, let's just go ahead and say the married king. 
The married king. Yeah. If I'm hearing correctly, was he also saying more happened on their date than going out to dinner? (laughs) Did Esther fornicate? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Say no more. (laughs) Or given the situation, was it not fornication? So that I think is kind of helpful. And his his follow-up question is, is, can't we look for a way of escape in a situation like that? Shouldn't she have done something different? And I thought that would actually be an interesting way of framing this question because the answers are all no no and no <laughs> or, oh, or maybe <laughs> so yeah I it's think like this a is death a, by chocolate dessert yeah this is we a, got a we got a, we got a base of no with some extra no <laughs> and some no on top yeah so uh we got the brownie the chocolate ice cream the hot fudge right so did esther fornicate number one no no she got married she committed adultery okay i would have gone with actually this is <laughs> This this is a marriage. She's a concubine, right? So I'm thinking this one's fully justified and completely. It's just it's just one of those old fashioned marriages. Okay, hey, yeah, not quite. <laughs> no, I don't think you're not wrong. Yeah, you know, like there's there are ways in which what you're saying is right, and it's hard for us to even possibly comprehend. Yeah, of the uh, person the social the social structure Persian of that social decadence that, yeah, that yeah. potentate situation. <clears throat> so this this is not. You know, anything at all. This is right. You know, this isn't much. Um, You're just saying when we look back at this, our best category for this, for what Esther's doing, is more adultery than it is (laughs) fornication. (laughs) Yeah. But the the fact is, almost no one is going to be in this situation where they they could actually take this particular situational ethic lesson into their own lives. (laughs) <laughs> what what matters so everybody's uncomfortable all the yeah. moms out there but the what matters is that we don't uh boulderize the story we yeah. don't lie about the story and make it a little disney movie yeah. and we also don't project our post-victorian scruples and back onto scripture instead of submitting to scripture and learning from scripture we take some social uh, social structure we have that we say that would be bad if she did that and we and we project it back so we either say that she therefore didn't do it we pretend it didn't happen or uh we condemn her and we actually can't we need to we need to honor her bravery and her courage and that she was through the salvation yeah uh, of her people and that her sacrificial courage is celebrated to this day yeah like there there's a big holiday and it's fun and there's dress ups and you know We've yeah. we've participated. It's it's great, and it's one of the sixty six books. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's there. So you need to submit to the scriptures, submit to what you discovered there, and come come to your scripture reading saying, "I wonder what this says." I'm eager to believe it. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 in submission to this. I'm not going to be Im- imposing stuff. So, but what I'm saying about this being um, wildly rare is true yeah you know somebody pleading esther somebody somebody pleading esther in order to justify an otherwise uh evil action and an otherwise immoral choice yeah like that is not common it has been at different points in history and it still is in some some parts of the world but it is not a common situation however it is the kind of thing that could be duplicated like it really it really could be Okay. So um, there are basically, I think what we have here is 
if you can murder to save lives and up murders and scare quotes, you know, if you can take lives, if you can actually like rip souls from bodies, (laughs) like yeah, in self-defense and we know you can, the question just there is, can you seduce? Right. Like if you could kill in self-defense, can you seduce in self-defense? And that, that is, and not just self-defense, defense of an entire nation. Yeah. So could, for example, during the Holocaust, let's keep it in the Jewish race, of a woman seduces a Nazi guard and successfully frees 5,000 Jews who escape murder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she's sacrificed herself. She, she, has, she is a victim. It's a, it's a form of sexual assault, but it's a form of sexual assault that she's taken upon herself. Yeah. to to actually uh free a bunch of people that's closer to what we're talking about here mm, gotcha. we're talking about a nation being right. slaughtered we know like haman's plotting this destruction's coming mordecai sees it now here's the here's the incredibly dark part of the whole story your uncle sees it coming and's like esther you know you're pretty attractive right so mm. here's the plan <laughs> you know yeah. like this is yeah you know you're, we're sending you in there as a sexual sacrifice. Like mm. you're going in there. Now she became more than just a concubine, but she was at that moment concubined. She was entering the harem. Right. And so she was not being a prostitute like Tamar was, which yeah. was also fine. She entered the concubine uh, as a concubine, entered the harem as a concubine, and then became even more than that, seduced the king, got like, was so pleasing to him that she gets this promise. And gets Haman killed and her people saved. So, yeah. Like, okay, read it correctly. Yeah. Don't, to try to pull the sexuality out of it is to diminish the level of her sacrifice. Yeah. That's not pleasant. Right. That is a very unpleasant situation. This is a, a believing Jewish girl, like being devoured. Yeah. By a, a beast. King. A pagan king. By a beast. Yeah. I yep. mean, like, this is. And I mean that in like the biblical sense, like beast of revelation kind of sense. Yeah. Being devoured by a beast so that all of her people would be saved. And God elevated her and honored her for it. So I don't think we can tiptoe away from it because if we tiptoe away from it, all we're doing is stealing uh, the depth of her sacrifice from her. Yeah. um, And diminishing that. And nor can we project back and say, man, she should have extracted the promise from him without having to. Right. Be fully concubine. And I think I think that's part of what Stephen's saying. He's like, I want to understand this. And but couldn't there have been a different way? But I think the point is no, God told it this way. Yeah. You know, so yes, there could have been a situation. And where- let's let's think about it. What's what's the only character you can think of off the top of your head who literally asked God, is there another way? Yeah. Jesus. Is is there any other way? And the answer is, this is the best way. This is the way. Right. You know, it's not the father wringing his hand saying, I just can't think of anything. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is, this is the narrative. This is how it's going. This is the sacrifice that's going to be made. Yeah. And that's the role Esther played as well. And she is one of, I'm trying to think of, of other female messianic characters, other like female foreshadowing. She's devoured by a beast. She gives herself yeah. up to a beast and is devoured and saves her people and like saves all these people through taking this darkness on herself. Like this is, 
It's a, yeah. I mean, it's most of the other female characters in the Old Testament are more the Eve character. You yeah. Know, they're, they're serpent, they're bearers of the yeah, sun. Eve or even the church character, you yeah. know, like very variations on the nation of Israel, the mother of the Messiah. So the Mary, um, and, and, and all the, the Marys, the other Marys, you know, the Rahabs and Tamar and others. Right. It's really interesting, Bathsheba, that, that they all come from these, these dark sacrificial yeah. places. And yeah. then Mary takes shame on herself too, you know, yeah. like the, with the way, the way it's gone. So Esther is, uh, uh, she's an absolute hero. She's yeah. a literal queen and an irritable queen for what she's willing to, uh, she's willing to go through and experience to save her people. Yeah. And, and having to trust her uncle on it, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. So. Anyway, the, I think that we can't we can't uh, look away from the story without robbing her of of some of the glory of the sacrifice. So, and it is interesting to compare with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, yeah. who refused to bow down in a particular way and yep. I, I, open know, defiance and open, just different ways that different characters have their story told. And hers was far more effective than I mean, I guess effective. We don't have to measure effective that way. Yeah. But as far as like how God used it, certainly used you know, their story was a particular witness to the to Nebuchadnezzar. Part of yep. felt like part of Nebuchadnezzar's story. Yeah, and Esther's was the whole nation, and and Tamar is the entire world. Mm. Now we got to get into that because because Stephen went on to say the story of Tamar looks to me, and I know I'm wrong, but I don't know why I'm wrong. Like her taking things into her own hands, like like a Hagar move. You know, Ab- Abraham putting Hagar to. To move the promised son there, so if we if we set up the Tamar story, I think that's where we jump to next. Is I think a Hagar move would be Judah giving her another husband who was not like did not give her an heir from her husband, but actually when wasn't one of Judah's sons, like mm, a fake I think it's a, like hey here's, her out here's the, a slave here's a manservant yeah, you know the from the household line. would be right because remember the whole key of this is that Tamar. Uh, her husbands both died because they were bad, her yep. and Onan. And then she was waiting to be given to Sheila, who was super young. Yep. That never happened. And so she pretends to be a prostitute. Literally, actually, doesn't pretend. She is a prostitute. She takes payment. She literally turns a trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and seduces her father-in-law. Yep. Gets pregnant. Yep, yep, yep. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's all there. And sometimes I think we do gloss over this because there's a goat. No, not sometimes. <laughs> not sometimes. <laughs> people people just go screaming past this one and they don't they don't want to do it i, I had a Judas show i had a show pitch that i i mean the pitch went well i don't know if i'll ever get to be able to do it but i badly wanted to be able to do a show of like uh yeah i don't know I, my, my my placeholder name is the crimson cord but it's mothers of the messianic line mm. and do like a four-part series it's yeah. like here's rahab you know here's tamar you know, here's Bathsheba from Bathsheba's side. Like, so I do these stories. And then even a Mary, a Mary story that's actually um, more kind of leans in on the social yeah, the, issues. The reason the why he'd want to divorce her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Tamar question, you know, she takes the signet, you know, it has the goat delivery and he's hidden and Judah's like, oh, weird. <laughs> you know, um, but I, <laughs> I, I think that situation 
This you is not said, normally what prostitutes do when I yeah, yeah, stop by the side of the road. He's like, says I, Judah. I guess she has my credit card or whatever it was, the ID. I left that at the strip club, apparently. Right. Yeah, very strange. But the, but the question is, you said it's the entire history of the human race in yeah. that moment. Yep. And you think Tamar Tamar's actively doing that. You know, th- she's thinking in that way or thinking about the importance of the messianic line? I... Yes and no. I don't think it matters as much. Oh, what exactly? You know, yeah. You know, I think that she is, yeah, I, I, what she knew and what she was aware of is less important than, than the actual story, the stakes of the story that she was in. Right. A so lot of characters she don't hadn't, know. Gotcha. Yeah. And this is maybe the most terrifying thing about uh, being a human <laughs> and, and living in God's story. And it's one of the most stark and devastating uh lines i think i've referred to before in that hideous strength when merlin sees uh jane and immediately condemns her like he he sees prophetically that she has uh via birth control eliminated like she has personally killed the heir and prevented that prevented the birth of the heir that would have brought peace wow for centuries and he sees the consequences of a choice that she made and she made it selfishly without any knowledge of the narrative that she was in. Mm. And so she, she does this thing where she's like, I'm working on my dissertation. I'm working on my thesis right now. And so I can't have a kid. She doesn't have the kid. And that's all she's thinking about. She doesn't see Mm -hmm. the massive mistake. And the terrible thing is, this is this is true. Like God's reading the story, God's telling the story, and we can't see all of it. There, think about villain villain backstories, like that. That we we kind of hat tip to this when we do origin stories of villains. Yeah, like the, making the butterfly the effect level of yeah. one tiny thing. Yeah, what made the villain the villain? What how how do we have the villain backstory? And there's like that person who sent them down the dark road, and um, and we do that kind of thing. The consequences of being a bad human. And making the wrong decision can be so much bigger, so much bigger. <laughs> Here than, comes the Nate Black pill. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it just it just is the case when you are in sin, you you don't get to control the blast radius of your sin. Yeah, you are you've lost control there. You've done the thing. You've done the wrong thing, and the consequences of it can be and will be long lasting. You just don't know. In, in which way. Um, and so. And that's. It's a big. It's you know. It's a big deal. That's why. And, uh, yeah. I think, and so what we see with, with Tamar. Is all that to say is. I don't think she needed. To know. The full messianic stakes. I don't think she needed to know. That if she lost that fight. With Judah. The messianic line would be broken. Yeah. Like literally the line that would deliver the entire universe. <laughs> like, right. is it? Yeah. The thing that would allow that blast radius to begin to be healed. Right. Yeah. In, in each of these lives. And I think what most people don't know about Tamar is she's the first woman in the new Testament, right? She gets to be number one yep. mentioned in the she new Testament. Literally saved the world. Yeah. By pretending to be a prostitute, by being a prostitute. Yeah. And, and, uh, 
understanding her father-in-law's vices and hypocrisy. Yeah, and her place, like, she deserved that. She deserved a child. Justice required. Yeah. Well, it was hers. It wasn't even about deserving. It's yeah. she, it was like, yeah. by law, she, she had it. So her husbands are dead. Judah, by law, owes her a, a husband right. and owes her an heir of his line, of Judah's line. So the reason why is because all of her inheritance would have come back to Judah, right? Yep. All of it, like Judah gets all of her stuff if she doesn't have an heir. So the the way property law worked, I think motivated her. She's being robbed. She's been yeah. patient and she's being robbed of an heir of Judah's line. Judah's just like, I'll wait till you can't have kids. Yeah, I'm gonna wait till I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait till you're barren and then I get all your stuff. And and you've got nobody to take care of you for the rest of your life. Yep. And which is a which is a dirt bag and move. which incidentally will turn you into a prostitute. You basically are going to be right. somebody's concubine, or you know, stuck being a prostitute right. by the road. And it, and it just really contextualizes when Judah says she was more righteous than I. He's not talking about the prostitute thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's talking about the whole I was going to steal your livelihood. I was going to rob you by means of withholding an heir of my line. From you. And what's crazy is that's what Ur and Onan did. Both of them also withheld heirs of their line from each other or yep. from, from her. And then Judah does the same thing and has to have been feeling like, wow, I just should have been killed for that. And and <laughs> actually, I think that's that's one of the arguments that she knows. Mm. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the arguments that she does know how, know important. how important this is, is Onan's death. Mm. You know, so... Okay, because... I see. So she's she has to have a baby. She has to. She has to of this line. Now so she has her's to. Wicked. Onan's supposed to uh, yeah, help her have a child by law. By law, it's not. And this is like, yeah, we have social scruples now. This seems weird, but by law, then, in order for her to in any way steer inheritance or be part of the line or just be, she's yeah. either she's gonna be pruned off this tree. She she has no future whatsoever yeah. and she's got no property no value and she is by law owed that it's hers so onan comes to get her with child and then onan does his you know uh evil act and it's killed like that okay so the stakes the right stakes there are like clearly established higher this is a than big freaking deal this yep. is okay you know yeah this is a very big deal so the i the i think there's a case to be made that tamar fully understood uh, and I don't think she needs to have. It can just be that she realized what was happening to her, and yeah. she's just being robbed, and she's being pushed away. Um, and but I, I think there's more there. We're we're not told what she's given. We don't know what dreams she had, what vision she had, what communication she had, what she knew about the line that she was in. At least I don't I don't think there's any other clues than the fact that Onan struck. You know, like that were yeah. Onan's killed. Um, but Judah is robbing her judah is breaking the law he's breaking the law of god and in preventing her from having an heir of his line of judah's line yeah and she knows this is a big deal it's such a big deal that the last guy who did this who prevented her from was struck dead was struck yeah. dead <laughs> and yeah, so interesting so this is a, this is a big thing and and then she knows this is urgent, and so she knows that Judah is a you know a dirtbag and a hypocrite, and so she stays by the road, and she tricks him into giving her what is hers. Yeah. Uh, she she tricks him into um, not robbing her. 
And in not robbing her, uh, continuing the messianic line. The messianic yeah. line is being severed. Why does Onan get struck dead? He would have been a father of the messianic line. Yeah, wow. And, it, and instead, he's right. uh, probably the most embarrassing character in all of scripture. <laughs> it's like, because in terms of like, and then he, let's tell you what he did. <laughs> Like it's like oh my gosh we're we're being told what a jerk what every an idiot every parent has cursed him around the yeah, table and it's like, like this is uh, uh we're and we all we all we all hate you so much because <laughs> my kid just read this verse and I've got to have this conversation about Onan and <laughs> and you know we all hate you Onan <laughs> you know, it's like but not as much as God did I mean yeah. God like yeah. we didn't kill you we just try to skip your verse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, um, and, and so Onan gets smacked. Tamar then, uh, tricks Judah yeah. and preserves the messianic line, which leads to Christ and the salvation of the world. And like, that was right there. Yeah. Now, and then David went and saw that cause he named yeah. his daughter Tamar. So I feel it's, I don't know. I think and he, it went badly for her and it was really terrible and unfortunate. One of the most tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Characters so there. horribly tragic character and a, and a real picture of David's weakness um, yeah. post his own hypocrisy. Right. So anyway, and all this to say it, what Tamar does is save the world. She literally saved the world. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting too, I, I just, I read this note that uh, Judah wants to have her burned, which yeah. is like what happens to a prostitute if she's a priest's daughter. Right. So he's yeah. like taking bizarre verses to enforce on her. He's like, we're going to get super into the law. Yeah. <laughs> we're really into the law right now. And then she pulls out the signet cord of, you left your ID. Uh, yeah. And says, the baby daddy reveal <laughs> with a DNA test are, are in. And they have a little, little uh, Jerry Springer <laughs> moment there. And Judah says, uh, whoopsies. Oof. Yeah. I wanted your stuff. She was more righteous than me. Yep. Manages to preserve that place at the top of the somehow, Jacob's somehow <laughs> Judah is like, he's like God is extremely forgiving. Just, yeah, like there's I mean, a, it's there's crazy because you got Reuben, Simeon, Levi, all of them jack stuff up, and then you get to Judah. He also does, but somehow, <laughs> so, somehow that moment of repentance, yeah, like the repentance is real. So anyway, what Esther does, she does, she sacrifices her dignity. She she sacrifices herself to save her nation. Yeah. What Tamar does is that she sacrifices her dignity. She's already been ab abused, led around, betrayed. Yeah. Um, she's been used like a prostitute. The fact that Onan yeah, did took that. her that way uh, and then re but refused to actually um, pay yeah. uh, is horrendous. Like she just got used as a prostitute by Judah's line already. Um, right. That's already happened because that act minus the attempt to reproduce minus giving her an heir yeah. is is like for onan purely recreational yeah. you know it's like which is just dirty you know yeah. just awful so onan gets smacked she's already been kicked around she's already had an evil husband then she said husband number two struck dead she's got to have this baby she's seen the stakes right. in order to preserve her own livelihood her own existence and her place in the line she has to have this child judah's trying to rob her take back everything that belonged to her and the world needs saving. Yep. There's and, a child to be born of this line who will save the world. Right. And she she is the reason why 
uh, that line was intact. Right. And the temptation can be like, what, you know, extramarital sex isn't the answer. No, but, no. But, uh, well, unless you're Tamar, but this was back then, <laughs> it was the answer, yeah. And same thing with and Esther. This, is, this is exactly the, the same thing I was saying about Esther. It's like so few people will ever be in this situation. Right. I cannot think, yeah, I cannot think of a situation in a, in a contemporary way where this, right, this applies. But to read her narrative and her, uh, you know, and her story and to see her as a bad person. You know, as opposed to an incredibly faithful woman who yeah, also, suffers so much indignity. She suffered so much indignity just to get right to a place where she's actually ends up being honored profoundly yeah. um, in the New and Testament. And I think that really robs, like you said with Esther, that would rob Tamar of the best thing we can do, which is to understand what she was going through. Yeah, and the depth and the conviction of her faith and yeah. what she was doing. Yep. You know, it's like that's... If it was just a small thing that she had to do, it's it's not uh, it's not as stark. It's not as incredible. Yeah, and the fact and that she it doesn't was... get named in the genealogy, right? Which which is why she is Matthew. Yeah. I think it's Matthew. I think is like, hey, She's, by the way, we have to highlight her. Yeah, let's talk about the mothers of Christ. Let's talk about the mothers of the Messiah, the man who saved the world, and and we're gonna give a an inspired shout out to these great women of faith yeah. and the level of their sacrifice. And a bunch um, of them. The level of their sacrifice and or redemption, you know, both. Mm -hmm. So. Well, that's great. Uh, that's what we had for today. Now we just got to get to the lamp. Lamp. Okay. Uh, again, I haven't, I, I'm terrible. I don't pay much attention, but the people who have stopped me in person and every now and then I have awkward conversations with people who don't know who I am, but they've heard me on SAS and they, I'm talking somewhere in public on a phone call or something and they're kind of looking at me. <laughs> yeah, you know, but so I've gotten I've been given some recommends in person. Yep. And uh I hear that people are clamoring to you. Mm -hmm. Same thing. For this. Yep. So we're going with Sound of Freedom. And the discussion of Sound of Freedom will of course, you know, be wide ranging, everything from release strategy to um you know, the whole upheaval of the industry and then the film itself. Uh we will be, uh, hopefully a lot of you already seen this. I know it's still in theaters in a lot of places. If, uh, I don't know if it still will be by the time this podcast releases, but there's still a bunch of tickets that were available. Like there's free tickets available to you yeah. um, that are out there if you want to see it. I'm sure the release, if you missed it, the release will come soon. Um, but yeah, check the movie out. It's a good movie. It's a good movie to watch and we'll have a lot of conversations about text and subtext and uh, how to handle a dark subject like this and how it was handled. And then also the use of light, mm. um, a lot on the use of light and in, in film. Yeah. And this one, obviously, since the subject matter is uh, child trafficking. You... I watched it with my 13 year old, with my youngest. I don't know how young I would go. Yeah. Not much younger than that. Yep. I won't be showing it to mine. Uh, and I'll, and I'll <laughs> say one thing that um, Eduardo, the, the producer told me, um, when I first saw it, he said that they successfully made the film without any of the, the children, uh, being aware, like that they shot all the scenes without any, any of the kids knowing what it was about or what was going on. So just to keep the, the kind of the, oh, wow. the themes even just away from damaging child actors, which is yeah. great. That's so, good. you know, they, they knew abduction in general and they just, it just wasn't, 
you know. Yeah, they kept. So the nature of the directing and the staging and everything else was very carefully done to, um, you know, protect to preserve innocence. Yeah, to make which sure. Which is great. That's very, very rarely the case. Yeah. So, um, that's the one tidbit. We'll have a lot more tidbits. We'll talk about it. How many me- weeks from now? We'll we'll get it scheduled. Yeah, I but get it, it watched if pretty, you, pretty soon. I think. I think get we'll it, it watched, and if you have gotten it watched, get your questions in. Yeah, uh, get your get your questions in now, and we'll have a discussion. We probably won't wait a full month. We'll probably have a discussion sometime uh, in August. Yeah, yeah, sometime this this August. We'll we'll do Lamp Sound of Freedom. And I actually I watched it the first time I watched it. I I watched it with John Irwin um, and a couple other people. John Irwin, our our SAS guest, who never was, who bailed on us, director of Jesus. The Revolution. notoriety is huge for John yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> dear, dear John Irwin. <laughs> um, and afterwards, I'm going to throw him under the bus further. <laughs> we, I mean, he really, he really enjoyed it. We we're, we we're talking after uh, Eduardo had left, and he's like, you know, it's beautifully shot, like incredible film. There's just no market for it, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, I don't, I don't see how you possibly, you know, take this out wide. And and here we sit now. And here we sit. And here we sit. Dethroned and, Indiana and, Jones. Yeah, and I. Um, of course, we'll never keep track of any of my incorrect statements like that. <laughs> but because John, because you stood me up, because you stood me it's, up on this podcast, it's the podcast hosts. Uh, it's okay. And now, privilege. now, now, he just has to stubbornly never come on. You know, it's like because we can't, can't have can't, him on. can't have John jokes. on now. Right? It's too many. There's too many jokes. We'll wait until his next movie John. comes out, and then yeah, whenever that is. <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever, still not have him on. whenever that is or i'll i'll fly to where he is and nobody nobody runs as fast and as ragged as john so it's not like john's not sitting in his basement playing video games he's working harder than almost anybody i've ever met you just record a quick 10 minute sass next time you're next to him just turn your phone on and start recording what i need to do is just start flying southwest all over the country and you'll find him eventually i'll be sitting next to him so, <laughs> that's because he he sticks to southwest um i like him a lot john you're great it's all in fun but anyway yeah so it's it is interesting that sound of freedom subject matter wise market wise everything else was a black swan this is a black swan film in terms of its reach because john in saying that did not disagree with its producers the producers also did not see this as a broad market film yeah. The director did not see this as a broad market film. The fact that it's gone this broad is, you know, is is pretty incredible. Uh, it's fun. And and they they did a really fantastic job, as did Angel Studios, uh, with the marketing and the release. So, Sound of Freedom, get your questions in, and feel free to get in questions about every level of. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the questions have been pretty generic so far, like very high level. Yeah, and we touch on those, but. So you can ask about very specific scenes. You can ask about particular shots. You can ask about the origin. Dialogue. Yeah. The, you know, yeah, all sorts of things. Um, release strategy, the decision to go with Angel. Like there's, there's so many things to ask about. Yeah, the IP. We should talk about that. How IP eventually yeah. gets out of IP jail. Yep. And, you know, the origin of the film itself, Tim Ballard, you know, all, all this kind of thing. Right. Um, and I, I think that... Basically, there's a ton we could cover, and we're not going to be able to cover all of it when we actually talk about the film. So questions will be helpful because they'll kind of direct uh, where we go. 
no guarantees that we'll we'll discuss them, but but get them in sooner than later. Perfect. There we this go. This has been SAS one two four. Uh, enjoy Sound of Freedom Lamp Pick number. We should be tracking that too. Yeah, we should. Lamp Pick number something. Now we have two things we don't know the numbers for. Yeah, perfect. But hey, it makes us so likable. <laughs> <laughs> it's our save the cat moment. Yeah. Until next time. I'm here to tell you about a brand new kids show now streaming on Canon Plus. It's called Creature Kids, and it's a children's draw-along art show. What is a draw-along art show, you ask? It is a show that shows you step-by-step how to draw very cool creatures. So for example, on this one, you get to figure out how to draw caterpillars, lions, Great Danes, unicorns, Sasquatches, the Cranky Danky Dragon himself, and many other exciting things. My kids ages three to 10 are currently papering our entire house with drawings from Creature Kids, which features the effervescent Justin Hatcher. So check it out now. I'm going to include the trailer so you can watch that right after I stop talking, or if you're on audio, you can listen to it and imagine how fun and bright and colorful and summery the art is. Starting now. Welcome to Creature Kids. I'm Justin, and this is my new show, Creature Kids, where I draw the coolest creatures step by step, creating artwork that will cover your fridge. We'll cover it all from rhinos, butterflies, and rattlesnakes, to chameleons, unicorns, and the mighty T-Rex. Ow! With guest appearances from Forrest Dickinson, illustrator of Hello Ninja, and Sir Battleot and his cranky danky dragon as well as Jessica Lynn Evans, creator of Penguin Set Sail. Plus, you'll get to meet my friends, Cameron the Chameleon, Molly the Dog, and Fitzpatrick the Bearded Dragon. Watch it now on, where is this? YouTube or TikTok or? Oh, right, Canon Plus. Thanks so much for drawing with me today. How do you guys think we did? Let's see how Molly thinks we did. Molly, Molly, how we do? We do good? Oh.